Hey everybody, W. Kamal Bell here. I'm backstage at the Odell Johnson Theater at Laney College in Oakland right before our next Kamal Right Now show. Joining me is Anita Sarkeesian, Irene Tu, and Danny Glover. And we have the beatboxing soul band, one of our favorites, Antique Naked Soul. If you haven't been able to catch our live shows, they all exist in podcast form, or you can try to catch us live again next season. You can find all the details about tickets and how to subscribe to the podcast at KALW.org. That's also where you can listen live. All right, I think I hear my name. Come out right now. Are you ready for W. Kamal Bell? Welcome. Give it up for Welcome to Kamau Right Now on KALW. Tonight we're broadcasting live from the Odell Johnson Theater at Laney College in Oakland, California! This show is about what's happening right now, and unfortunately this time there's not a lot to talk about. <laughs> but we have some very special guests with us anyway to help talk about all the nothing that's going on. We have some friends of mine. We have the pop culture critic and activist Anita Sarkeesian. Give it up for Anita Sarkeesian. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my favorite comedians of all time, period, Irene Too. Give it up for Irene Too. And San Francisco's own, the legendary actor and activist, I don't know why he's here, Mr. Danny Glover! It's not, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Yeah. He was clearly tricked, okay. And at Come Out Right Now, of course, as we do, we want to hear from you listening on the radio and in the audience at the Odell Johnson Theater. Please, as always, tweet us your thoughts, your questions, your concerns directly to at Come Out Right Now. Use the hashtag Come Out Now. That's K-A-M-A-U-N-O-W. Yes, I'm reading how to spell my name again. If you hear a disembodied voice, you're not dead. It's our tweet wrangler, Becca Huckstra. Give it up for Becca Huckstra. Hi, everyone. Yo. Uh, yeah, everybody, what's going on? You can't even ask that question to people anymore. How's it going? Horrible. Me too. <laughs> Thanks for asking, yes. But we have to admit, if there's one small, tiny, tiny, tiny thing that we can all be happy about from the uh, Trump-era presidency, it is that he and his entire administration and the people who support him are completely blunting the myth of white supremacy. Can we just agree on that? That's, there's no way that's a thing anymore. There's no way. What a mediocre pile of white men they've stacked together. Like a bunch of mildewy driftwood at the ocean. Serves no function at all, can't even start. Oh man, I mean, it's just like, here's the thing. This has been one of the worst, I mean, one of the craziest, weirdest two weeks in the history of the country since I've been alive. I'm a, uh, and I just don't even understand. <laughs> It seems like most of us in this room were like, yeah, this is exactly where we thought we'd be at this point. Some of us are surprised. Oh, I thought the world would be over by now. So some of you are like, <laughs> some of my more militant activist friends are like, wow, we're still here? Oh, this is better than I thought. <laughs> That's probably the most frustrating thing about the Trump administration. All my most cynical, uh, militant, hardcore activist friends are like, I told you. <laughs> I, for me, I think it all started to go really downhill a couple, a couple months ago, right into the beginning of administration when he did an interview with somebody that should have alerted all of his supporters when he said out loud into a microphone, and it didn't even get a lot of coverage because he said, probably tweeted something crazy 15 seconds later, he said, being president is harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> Not as hard as it is to watch you try to be president. <laughs> you can go at any time. You don't have to leave a note. <laughs> Believe me, if we wake up tomorrow and you're gone, be like, oh, there we go. Oh, my God. And just the mediocre many stacked together. It's so weird. It's gotten so bad, I miss Sean Spicer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at least that dude, you could see that it was like, it was cracks in the armor. Arr! 
Sean Spicer to me. Sean Spicer seems like what would happen, what happens when like just the bare minimum of humanity comes together to make a human being. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he's the bare minimum of sperm it takes to actually activate the reproductive process. Is that too much for public radio? Like, it's like when two people give each other like a weak high five that's all fingers. That was the egg and the sperm and they made Sean Spicer. And Donald Trump Jr., really? Donald Trump Jr. is like the sequel to the movie that shouldn't have been made in the first place. You know what I'm saying? He is the Deuce Bigelow European gigolo of humanity is all I'm saying. No offense to my Rob Schneider people. I know you're out here. He's from the Bay Area. I mean, this is so crazy. There's, I saw a Nazi on television crying about how hard it is to be outed as a Nazi. <laughs> people are being mean to me. Yeah, we decided Nazism wasn't a good look back in the 40s. That's when we decided, not a good look, not a good look. And here's the other thing, I just, and I'm trying to have a holdout for hope, but you know, like I just read an article that said that Barack Obama plans on coming back in the fall to help rebuild the Democratic Party. I'm like, the fall? Negro, we may not be here in the fall. What are you doing today? You know what I'm saying? You busy right now? We can use you. I'm not saying he's the answer to all the problems. The only thing I miss about the Obama, the only thing I would like the Obamas to do, I just wish that like Michelle Obama just had one job and her one job was to every day to be at the White House so that when Trump got home from all his craziness, she was just standing at the doorway like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Seriously? Seriously? <laughs> Melania's like, thank you. Can you have him get my passport? I don't know where it is. <laughs> Welcome to come out right now. We've got some amazing guests to help us talk about what's going on in the world right now. My first guest is an award-winning media critic. She's the creator and executive director of Feminist Frequency, an educational nonprofit that explores the representations of women in pop culture narratives. She was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World in 2015. She's been interviewed by the New York Times, Rolling Stone, Stephen Colbert, and tonight by me. We are pleased to have her. Please give it up for Anita Sarkeesian, everybody. Thank you. Our next guest was named a woman to watch in 2016 by KQED. For the past two years, the East Bay Express named her showcase, Man Haters, the best comedy show in the East Bay. She just performed a few days ago at the Outside Lands Festival in San Francisco, and she's one of my favorite comedians. Please give it up for Irene, too, everybody. My last guest is an actor, producer, and humanitarian. He's been a commanding presence on screen, stage, and television for more than 30 years. His work as an activist has shown particular emphasis on advocacy for economic justice, access to health care, and education programs in the United States, Latin America, the, Latin America, the Caribbean, and Africa. All that, and he has multiple films dropping soon, including Proud Mary, opposite Taraji P. Henson, and Old Man and the Gun with Robert Redford. Again, I don't know why he's here. We are honored to bring to the stage Danny Glover, everybody, Danny Glover. The first... Uh, Mr. Glover, I'm gonna call you Mr. Glover because I can't call you Danny. It would make me cry. Uh, call me Danny. I can call you Danny? Uh, no, I'm gonna call you Mr. Glover. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there you go. Uh, oh, yes, yes, you yes. You got the yes. first partial standing ovation from an, from an intro. You know, people are excited to see you. They just haven't seen me in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what this is? We miss you. Look here, I have my plants in the audience. I got my friends over here. I see Felix over here. I see everybody. I see Cerise here. I see all my people here. 
See, I got. I plan to be here. I plan for all this to happen. And you and uh, we were talking. You and Lady College have a little bit of history, right? Oh man, I was. Um, I was, I was talking about this. I was um, here. I was on the defense committee for Geronimo Pratt, ex Panther. And so I remember. That's just one person who whooped. That's so weird, Barry. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a more millennial crowd that we normally have? Like. And so I, I came here. I flew up here. Gus, a man, former mayor of Berkeley, Gus Newport. Give him a hand. Oh yes. This is when they had real mayors. Yeah. Are you running again, Gus? <laughs> So, so what happened was I was, came here, and William Kunstler was here. We had a, a big meeting and everything else. And so a lot of the Panthers, because we grew up. I mean, the, Pan, the Panther Party was very close to Black Student Union in San Francisco State in 1968, 69, and everything else. So we grew up here. So I remember sitting down here. I came up for something, an event here uh, for, for Geronimo Pratt. A lot of speakers and everything else, and, and I had, I had, um, you know, I had done some films, so it wasn't just that, that little cat who running around San Francisco State like it was in 1968, 69. So what, what, what year was this? What, what era? It doesn't have to be. I believe somewhere around 86, 87, something like that. Okay, all right. And so, and I remember this, and I didn't. So post-color post purple. Huh? Post-color purple. Post-color purple. Everybody knew me. I pulled out yeah. the color purple. We have to, we Some have to, kind we, of way we, they we knew me. We divide your, your career into eras of films. So okay, we got it now. We got it. Pre-lethal weapon or right around time of lethal weapon? <laughs> uh, what'd you say? Pre-lethal weapon or? Uh... Uh, no, no, no. After lethal weapon. Oh, so you were Danny Glover. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. You know, the color purple got me to lethal weapon. You know, no. I read your Wikipedia. I read your Wikipedia. And so I'm, I'm, I'm on this, I'm sitting in the audience, I'm on the stage and everything else, and and I remember this young, young boy coming sitting up and talking to me. He just sat there and he talked and talked and talked, and it was so so fascinating to me just to listen to him talk. And I, a lot of number of Panthers came up who party who I had known. You know, slightly doing when I was a student at San Francisco State. They came and wanted to talk to me. I said, no, 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 no. I'm talking to this young man. And that young man never forgot that. And his mother told me that he'll always remember that moment where the tension was, out of all the stuff that was happening, the tension was on him. Yeah. It was Tupac. You never know who you're going Oh, Jesus. It's <laughs> funny, for a moment, I was like, where's this story going, Mr. Glover? Oh, to Tupac Road, okay. <laughs> so you never know who you're talking to. Always. You never know. Yeah. At any moment in time, some young person comes up to and says and has a conversation, or not even a young person. Anybody can have a yeah. conversation. You never know where it's going to lead to it. And I said, wow. But I remember the conversation. Wow. Yeah. Are you going to remember this conversation we're having right now? I'll try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, I'm living the dream here, everybody. Uh, so uh, I want to talk to the other panelists up here. Irene, we, we try to get everybody to find out what's going on right now. What are you thinking about right now in the world? There's so much going on. Uh, well, I tried to pick something that was uh, maybe slightly hopeful. Uh, so I am thinking right now about the solar eclipse on Monday. I'm really excited. It's going to be a total eclipse, not for us, but if you live in Oregon or like Iowa or somewhere random, uh, you can see like <laughs> so, that's the most Bay Area yeah, sentence yeah, yeah. ever. Somewhere random <laughs> somewhere that's not here. That's not here. Uh, <laughs> but you could see like a total eclipse where it's going to be dark for like two whole minutes, and I thought that was very exciting. I actually didn't really care until I learned that it was happening, and then I had a great sense of FOMO, like I had a fear of missing out on this one eclipse before we die. Uh, so now like I have to go see it. Then do you mean like this is the last eclipse for a long time, or you think we're gonna die fairly soon? I meant no, the latter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because like it's gonna be like another I don't know 20, 30 years before another total. Oh yeah, eclipse. we're not gonna make it 20, 30 years. Exactly. Good point. Yeah, so yeah. I think we you gotta just see this not. one. Uh -oh. oh. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if we'll make it. I just wanna see this cool phenomenon before you know things go crazy. Are you more excited about the eclipse or Bonnie Tyler? I'm very excited about Bonnie Tyler singing Total Eclipse of the Heart while the eclipse is happening. 
So, okay, we talked about this a little bit backstage, so I'm going to make some people feel incredibly old. How did you first hear the song, Totally Eclipse of the Art? <laughs> Irene. Uh, Irene, too? <laughs> well, I was not old enough to hear it when it was originally out, but uh, I love Ellen DeGeneres, and she sings that song a lot on her show, so then I learned all of the words to the song. And that's when I laid down on the ground and was like, oh, I'm too old for this. Sh all right, everybody, let's... Uh, Told you I was gonna say it. All right, except the radio-friendly version. Uh, Anita, what are you thinking about right now? Dude, what am I not thinking about right now? They're like, pick a right now topic. I'm like, what? Can I pick it ten minutes before going on stage? Because there's too much. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really hard not to th be thinking about Charlottesville and everything that's happening around that. And you know, I, the ACLU, right? The ACLU defending Nazis is just a thing that they keep doing and I have huge issues with this. Um, Can you explain to people who maybe yeah, didn't catch that story? Yeah, sure. So the ACLU, uh, so the, the march in Charlottesville, uh, they wanted to move the, what did they call them? The right to both? Unite the unite right. The right. Uh, they wanted to move them somewhere else, and so the ACLU came in to defend their rights to march where they want to march. Um, but the ACLU has a long history of doing this, right? And I will preface all of this with, the ACLU also has a long history of doing really great, important work. This is just one piece of it that I take huge, uh, I have problems with. Um, and so they have this long history of defending the rights of the Klan, defending the rights of Nazi and white supremacist marches. Um, God, I wrote a whole list down of all of it. Like, there's just years of this. And the thing is, literally, this is why this right now is just so overwhelming and difficult. Uh, I think it was yesterday or this morning that UCLA, or UCLA, geez, ACLU, sorry, y'all, uh, the ACLU in California made a statement saying that they would not defend the rights of folks to march that are violent. And they actually said, let me pull this up, because I think what they said was really lovely. They ended their statement with, the First Amendment should never be used as a shield or sword to justify violence. Um, and then on the way over here, uh, ACLU National said that they would no longer defend the rights of folks to march um, who are carrying weapons. Cool, but that's not the whole problem, right? That violence can be committed through words. It can be committed through policy actions. That the cost of hate speech on marginalized folks is not just that we have physical wounds, it's the emotional wounds, it's the cost of dehumanizing us. And so to have this group selectively choose to defend these right, rights of white supremacists is unacceptable to me. Uh, full disclosure, uh, as far as I know, I'm still the uh, ACLU celebrity ambassador for racism because you were too busy. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like I have to bring that up because I sort of find myself in a very awkward position here. Uh, about, but I, I agree with you, everything you're saying. I think that the, the free, the, anytime right now people start getting caught up in the free speech argument, I, I feel like it's, it's like a, it becomes a very childish argument to me because free speech is not, it's not, it's not no. free. It's this weird thing where I'm like, okay, the majority of us are super supportive of freedom of speech, but over the last five years of being harassed and abused online and having my abusers use free speech as a defense of, to send me death threats and rape threats and all sorts of awful things, it makes me have this like knee-jerk reaction against the phrasing of freedom of speech because it's used to justify violence and hate. Um, and that's not what freedom of speech is. Yeah. And also, you know, like, let's be real. Freedom of speech doesn't mean that, like, it means that you can say things. It doesn't mean you should say things. Absolutely. It's, it's somewhat... Um, I agree with you. And, and certainly the sentiment probably around the country and most of the world is that the ACLU shouldn't be defending the right. But some ways... I think it's, it's a distraction from the, the major issue about free speech historically in this country and the use of free speech and and how on the on the one hand we use we always throw up the cloak of free speech we always bring that up and brandish that in a sense and the question of who has the right to free speech and everything else but you, you, you imagine you imagine in 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 the case of what's happening in universities right now, where the university is becoming de-radicalized. That means professors who have different points of view 
are often not hired or fired or not given tenure and everything else. So we talk about free speech on the one hand, in a sense, and I don't know how the ACL, ACLU can protect their particular rights. This whole process of happening with de-radicalization around free speech, whether this, and not defending the Klan and everything else, it's been a process that's gone on the last part of the 20th century. Uh, and it is a process from every standpoint, from the McCarthy hearings, et cetera, and everything else, the House on American Activities. So the free speech and what you think, in a sense, not even, it was not about free speech, it's even what you think. Whether you were socialist or you are a communist or whether you studied Marx or whatever else, in a sense. So we, we kind of cultivate this whole idea that this is a country that was founded on this, these principles, but were they ever really exercised in any way? Now, we're talking about the Klan, and I'm saying I may be taking this out of the context of this particular moment. Yes, the Klan, yes, the, the white supremacists, yes, we have to tie neo-Nazis, yes, we have to define and, defi and, 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 and defend ourselves against this, 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 to this torrent of, 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 anti -ra of racism and everything else. We have to, we have to do that. But I, I think if we're going to pick on the a a ACLU for that particular moment, in a sense, it's like when I was, I was, at, I was at a conference right after 9-11 in Princeton University where uh, opposing the death penalty. There was going to be a moratorium on the, in New Jersey on the death penalty on the ballot. Some plants in the audience got up after 9-11 said, what do, you think, what do you think about if we catch Amsada bin Laden? Should we execute him? Should he be executed? I said, I'm opposed to, I'm opposed to capital punishment, period. It's not conditional. I'm opposed to it, period, and everything else. They use that as an attack on my movies and an attack on me saying I'm a terrorist because I said I'm opposed to, I'm opposed to capital punishment, period. So I think we have, there's, there's some way in which we, we, we acknowledge that the that what has happened is, is perhaps unfortunate in a sense, but we have to realize that they are out there. They do carry guns, and they do kill, and they do it in different ways. The same, the ones that, that killed and murdered and lynched years ago, they've turned up in different places, you know? Nobody, who's talking about the police forces that supported Donald Trump right now? The National Police Association supported Donald Trump for president. So who's saying about that? And who, who do they represent? So that's a great deal that we have to talk about and deal with in terms of that. If you just tuned in, I'm Debbie Kamal Bell, and I've been speaking with Danny Glover, Anita Sarkeesian, and Irene too. This is Kamal right now on KALW Live from Laney College in Oakland. <laughs> I don't want to Give it up for that was me on beatbox right there, everybody. I just did that beatbox myself. I'm amazing at beatbox. Just kidding. Give it up for Antique Naked Soul, everybody. That was not me on beatbox. Antique Naked Soul. So related to all of this, and we can keep that conversation going because this is what I want to talk about anyway. There's sort of the idea of free speech and you have the right to freedom of assembly and all that stuff, uh, which I would say... Uh, yes, we, we were just talking about freedom of speech when they conceived that was about white men who were probably landowners at that point. It was like rich white men. It was not considered women and, and people of color. So that's the first thing. So my real question is, I live in Berkeley. I very famously talk about living in Berkeley. I've probably talked about it too much. Uh, Berkeley has become one of the sites of the, alt, the white supremacists. I'm trying not to say alt-right anymore. That's my, that's my half-year resolution. Uh, don't say alt-right. It's so catchy, that's why. It's so catchy, yeah. yes. But, but hey, what about the alt-left? Oh yeah, what about the alt-left? What about it? <laughs> yeah, what about the alt-middle? Nobody talks about the alt-middle. The alt-center. <laughs> oh. So my question is, on, October t on August 26th in San Francisco, and more interesting to me, because I live here, in Berkeley on August 27th, there are 
you know, these white supremacist Nazi rallies that are, that are planning to show up. And my question literally is, what do we do? Because I think we can't pretend like we don't have to do, we have to be prepared, obviously. And I think it really came home for me yesterday, I think it was yesterday, because I was on Twitter, and the mayor of Berkeley, not this ex-mayor of Berkeley, but the new mayor of Berkeley, I want to be clear about my mayors, said, he wrote, a, there was a blog on, on the Berkeley website about, about what we do, and it said, that we're working on plans, we're trying to figure it out, and it said, but on that day, on the 27th, August 27th, avoid the Martin Luther King Civic Center Park. And I was like, that's the plan? Is there a greater irony than telling people to avoid a thing named after Martin Luther King Jr. because racists are showing up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to the King thing because race, I think he would want us to go and have a plan. So my question is, this is for the whole room because I've talked to my wife about it and they were like, and there's a side of like, we could just leave town and I don't feel like that, that, that doesn't, that, I, I can't say it on the radio, but no, I'm not doing that. We have to be, we have to somehow contribute to that not happening. So my question is to the panel, what do we do about these things? Uh, I feel like punching Nazis is not helpful, uh, but I don't know, I don't, yeah, it's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny, people it? almost clap because they thought, oh, she's gonna say punch Nazis, yeah. Yeah, but they don't. Oh, no, don't punch, oh, no, no, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. I feel like we should show up, but also I don't feel comfortable it like being just another violent thing that happens and then there's Not, another I don't think everybody's job yeah. is to punch right. Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that. Oh, that. so there's there's like three people that punch Nazis and everyone's like, yeah, 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 those three people. But well, I think I don't some know. people I think I mean I you know, uh, Malcolm X, uh, self defense. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not I'm not against I, I, I think the majority of like I'm wearing a Bruce Lee t shirt, so I'm all for self defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the majority of people who counter-protest are not right. violent and yeah. don't go into it wanting to be violent. And that, like, that is, you know, there's, there is the joke-slash-conversation around do you or do you not punch Nazis, which is kind of a dumb conversation. But I think, like, it's, we need to not buy into the, the myth and the narrative that the media is building up about, like, how leftist protests and how, what resistance looks like for us. Um, and so like putting our bodies out there and especially those of us with the most privilege need to be out there on the front lines resisting this stuff. And it doesn't mean necessarily like, it doesn't mean being violent, um, but it does mean being present and being physically there. I think my question is more like if you show up and a Nazi punches you, what do you do? You know? uh, yeah, I think that becomes a person, yeah. that becomes a dealer's choice at yeah, that yeah. point. It becomes like, <laughs> I think that, you know, well, you know, workers in, in Mississippi and Alabama <laughs> dealt with that in the 1960s, you know. They used the, the brilliance of nonviolence, the techniques of Gandhi, taught by the, um, Dr. Martin Luther King. And um, I, I see an even larger mobilization of citizens in Berkeley. If that's what, that's what I would expect in some sense to drown, them, to drown them out, to have our presence there and say we will not allow this to happen to our country. We take ownership of this country. We take, we're, we're citizens of this country. And maybe out of that, we build a new movement, a different kind of movement that deals with the issues of really around anti-Semitics, that deal with the issues around racism, sexism, everything. Maybe something comes out of that, that we look at it in ourselves, because sometimes the outward manifestation of something is not really what is happening throughout, throughout history and throughout what is happening currently in our country. We could say these things that, that, that go on and on and make statements and everything. I hear policemen recanting something they tweak or something like that and everything. They represent us out there protecting neighborhoods. We can pay slant attention to Black Lives Matter and everything and have them, Giuliani referred to them as a terrorist group, Black Lives Matter, and we don't do anything. We should be out there in masses. We should be out there in masses when, there's, when the issue the issue, of, of, of issue around LGBTQ. We should be out there in masses. We should be out there as strong as that. In every single thing, we're not gonna let you. We demand, we're not gonna let you take this to, to your, we owe it to ourselves and owe it to our children as well. Uh, 
Yeah, I just feel like there's an opportunity, if they tell you they're coming on the 27th, there's an opportunity to do something with that date that is bigger than what they expect you're going to do. And it's not, and I feel like outside of the do I punch or do I not punch, uh, I'm one of the people, if I get punched, I think I'm going to punch back. That's just how I was raised. Uh, My arms are too scrawny. Come out. I'll punch back for you. Yeah, yeah. I'll punch back for we'll you. We'll run away and we'll just... Yeah. yeah. What, I mean, I just feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I ain't no punk, but... Uh, <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but uh, I'm not really concerned about my punk status. But the thing I'm saying is, like, I feel like when I see the, 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 and I'm not trying to hit on the mayor of Berkeley in this way, but I really was frustrated by the fact that, like, leadership needs to have a better idea than just avoid that part of town. Because people live in that part of town. People literally live in that park. And unless you're going to give them one of the luxury apartments on the corner down the street that you just built... You need to protect their. You need to protect them too. I think telling people to avoid it just seems like we're just literally saying, "Show up, Nazis, and have a good time." And so I feel like there's got to be some sort of big picture plan that is created by people of privilege, whether it's whether it's people with white skin or people with privilege like myself who have some sort of that we sort of build a plan. Like I was like, "Let's call the Counting Crows and Tracy Chapman and all the Berkeley musicians." <laughs> you know, like I'll host it. You know what I mean? Like something to turn it into something else. And we, at, the time, at the same time, we might see the homeless crisis that exists in both Oakley and Boom and, and, and Oakland as well. We may take a note and say, wow, boy, look at all these homeless people on the street here, you know, who don't have whatever in their lives, who are there and become unnoticed, become, obs become obsolete and invisible as well. Yeah. I feel like... Uh someone in tech should make an app and then make everyone go to that location to protest. You know, like when Pokemon Go was a thing, like make oh. that, you know? Go Nazi here. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, somebody here is in tech, because that's just statistically, uh, so we gotta get on that Nazi Go. Let's check in with our social media desk. Give it up for Becca Hookstra, everybody. Hey there, everyone. So, kind of in a not surprising turn, there's lots of people on Twitter and online who are also talking about this very same question. Um, so our first one comes from at Jennifer Moline. Is Mr. Danner Glover too old for this Nazi stuff? <laughs> I'm, I'm not too old to fight. <laughs> All right. I'm not, I'm, I'm not too old to protest. I'm not too old to encourage young people and to march with young people who have the legs, the imagination, the passion, and everything else to truth and justice. I'm not too old for that. All right. I've been doing this for what, like 10, 13 years or something, and I am exhausted. Like, aren't you tired? No, <laughs> I am not tired. I mean, you, I think Robeson once told Harry Belafonte. Oh, that's, this is the greatest story of all time, everybody. <laughs> I know. Any story that starts with Paul Robeson told Harry Paul Belafonte, told Harry Belafonte while Detroit Red was in the kitchen. <laughs> he told Harry Belafonte, asked Paul Robeson, do you have any regrets in your life? He said, not one. It's the journey. It's who you meet on the journey the struggles you engage on the journey. And you get it, it's the journey. It's the whole journey and the consistency of the journey and be, knowing that you're being president. I was just showing a Kamau a picture of me at 22 years old at San Francisco State in 1969 during the Susan strike. It's the journey about that. It's all of that. It's not just one single thing. It's the whole, the whole, the whole thing. I mean, Gus could tell you stories about him and Malcolm and everything else, and him and Bernie and everything. He can tell you stories about that. Coming back, but it's the journey. That's what keeps us out here at 71. Keeps us out here post 71, over out here. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just outed you. Know just... it, it, is, it is all that. It's all that. And yes, you get exhausted and tired, but there's always inspiration. You know, I, I was with, a, I, I celebrated my birthday with a group uh, called Center for New Leadership in Washington, D.C. All formerly incarcerated men and women, you know, and all of them, 
all of them working on behalf of creating another kind of relationship between more, more law enforcement and the community. You see that. I've uh, watched these workers for the last five years in Canton, Mississippi, grow, assume responsibility in a sense, and build leadership as they tried unsuccessfully uh, to, to vote a union. Now, I watched that. That's the inspiration is. That's where it is, you know, you watch them doing moving step and step and step. It's like you're growing with them and their language becomes your language as well, you know. I feel bad for getting out of bed after 11 a.m. now. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get it's up earlier. The, when you're sleeping, you're on the journey. <laughs> is what I used to tell myself before I had two kids. All right, what else we got, Becca? Uh, so this next one is kind of a multi-parter, just kind of people discussing. So there is like the main sort of white supremacist rally, but then people are talking about like, what if we did something else somewhere else? So um, there's this idea of a dance party that people are going to have instead. And so uh, at Karim, we're going to get there. Karim Dorjal says, this is the perfect way to tell them to F off and maintain our own equanimity, especially since those Nazis take themselves so seriously. Um, then at Islam is like white people would do anything not to have to actually deal with white people. <laughs> See, she had a plan, everybody. <laughs> um, and then Kamau's mom shows up at Chief and Bell and says, show up and mock them. <laughs> so, That's so funny that she would say that because I'm sure if I called my mom, mom, I'm at the Nazi rally mocking them. She's like, boy, get away from the Nazi rally. <laughs> She also tweeted she's not too old to fight in a, in a, as well. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know. That's, she's, that's um, true. That's true. I just bring up my dad if I want to get her in fighting shape again. Yeah. And then... Uh, he's listening right now. Yeah, Dad, I know you heard that. Got that's my other... wife laughing over there. There's a whole thing happening that nobody else understands. <laughs> uh, at Jane Jacks, I've heard of the glitter strategy. I'm attending the dance counter protest. And so, like, the main question with at Minivet seems to get to is there seems to be a difference of opinion slash tactics whether to set up a counter rally blocks away or confront them where they are. The reality is that probably all of the above is going to happen because, like, the left is a very diverse group of people with different strategies and different tactics. And like, Some people will compost the Nazis. There'll be some sort of... Like... Yeah. No, keep going, keep going. Well, no, I mean, that's it. Like, I just... You know, we, we we don't all agree. I know that's weird. Like, we don't all agree with the same strategies and tactics, and there needs to be a diversity of tactics. And so I think, like, yeah, we can try to plan the best we can, but, like, things are going to happen when people are out. Not to... And I realize that sounds super defeatist. That wasn't the point of that. Just, like, I think... No, you meant things are going to happen yeah. <laughs> while people are out. But I think both of those things are going to happen. Like, there's going to be people directly confronting them and probably folks who try to organize a counter-protest somewhere else. I just, yeah, I, I, I or you're going to have a concert, and we're all going to come yeah, hang I'm, out I'm and have a dance party, apparently. Counting crows, because I have every Berkeley celebrity's phone number. Uh, uh, <laughs> Joshua Redman. What, what, what an extraordinary organizing moment. This is a very, I mean, despite what we see, despite what we think, what, what an, a moment, amazing opportunity to organize, you know? Of course, like I said, we're going to get distracted by this as much as we're distracted by the threats that Trump is making to North Korea and et cetera, et cetera. But there's so many things that we can organize, ways in which we could come together as a community around this, you know? And I think whatever is going to dissuade those, the neo-Nazis, if they can be changed or whatever, whatever is going to be undermined is the threat that we're not going to bend below them. We're not going to stoop below them. That we know that there's something we can be. First question I had talked to a fourth grade teacher in Detroit, Michigan. First question he asks his, his students every year, what does it mean to be a human being? The first question of philosophy, what does it mean to be a human being? And the second question is how do you know? So the fact that we, we have this extraordinary moment, I think, a moment to organize, the cover's been pulled off, you know, all the little, all the little secret closets have been opened, you know, and everything else. And we see it right here, you know, and we see it. And we have an extraordinary moment to organize in Berkeley, everywhere else, right where in North Carolina, South Carolina, across this country, in, 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 in Tucson, Arizona, where there's a, a lawsuit right now that doesn't allow, doesn't allow Hispanic Latino studies in a high school. 
which had benefited them. There's a lawsuit going on right now. Every place else, there's people struggling, people fighting, people resisting, and out of the resistance has to become sustainable activism and movement. Sustainable activism, you know? And, and I learned that from a woman who lived to be 100 years old. Grace Lee Boggs, sustainable activism, Grace Lee Boggs, every moment of it, sustaining, whatever the period is, whatever the moment is. Danny Glover, everybody, Danny Glover. <laughs> what you're learning, everybody, is I will never cut off Danny Glover, everybody. This, we will go straight through eight o'clock while he's still talking, I'm not, that's not. <laughs> the thing I just wanna wrap it up on this, because the thing I also just feel is because I do live right near there, is that as much as they tell people to don't, don't go to that area on that day, there is some mom or some parent with a kid who is not on social media, who doesn't know that August 27th is the day that the Nazis are showing up, and is just taking their kid to Ococolay to give him a hot chocolate, and they want to go through that park, and there's like a little toddler play area that kind of sucks. We'll talk about that later, Mayor Berkeley. <laughs> kind of sucks a lot. Uh, and they're just going to end up there, and that's why I think somebody has to be there to, to represent for those people. That's all I'm saying. Because it may not, you may not want to punch a Nazi, but we need some people there to get punched in the face by Nazis so that mom can get her kid to Ococole for the hot chocolate through the crappy toddler park. That's all I'm saying. I'm looking at you white guys. I'm looking at you white guys. Huh, everybody didn't clap, Danny Glover. I don't know what happened. All right, we're gonna have to leave it right there. I've been speaking with Danny Glover, Anita Sarkeesian, and Irene too. We'll hear more of them in a moment, but now it's time for a little more music. Give it up for Antique Naked Soul. Sustainable. The dark brown shades of my skin. Black, black. Only add color to my against my hollow bones that rocks my soul looking back over my false dreams that I once knew wondering why my dreams they never came true something is holding me back I'm black. Black. That you black. keep on holding me back. Black. You keep on holding on. Keep on picking on me. Hey. You keep on holding me back. You keep on holding on. Keep on picking on me. Keep on holding on. You keep on holding on. Let me go. 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 The right to be free. Let me go. The right to be me. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Antique Naked Soul. Antique Naked Soul. Woo. Woo. So, uh, why are you all invested in making me cry? What are you trying to do there with all that heat? Let's check back in with our social media desk again. Becca, what's going on over there? So, I'm assuming we're kind of done with Nazis right now. Like, do we want puppies instead, or do we want more Nazis? <laughs> we can ship the puppy. I mean, you know, wherever the I mean, is. We could do. I'll yeah. punch a puppy. Whatever it happens. Whatever. Uh, okay. All right. This is from <laughs> really, Lazarus. Really that's the biggest response we've gotten all night. <laughs> Punching Nazis. I'm no, Mara, Mara. This is the puppy you're gonna punch, Kamau. <laughs> this is uh, from at Lazach. Our family received final approval yesterday to adopt a rescue dog, Meat Buster, and it's this beautiful puppy with like a spotted tongue and like looking so excited. Someone's happy to be alive. That's nice. 
Yay! <laughs> um, and then uh, people may have noticed who have listened to the show before that someone is missing tonight. Yes, my uh, Janelle. Yes, my my partner in crime and the social other black media. person who works on the show. Yeah, what she's gone. Was there some sort of executive order from Trump? Too many black people on come out right now. We gotta let one go. <laughs> um. Well. Good news is she's living her best life. Uh, she let us know earlier. She's in Cuba learning to make pottery and never returning to America because you know why. <laughs> oh, she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> wow, good for her. Get Maya Janelle, everybody. Give it over her. That's yeah. Cuba. Yay, Maya. I never, I never wanted to make pottery so much in my life. It's just, it just feels like it'd make me feel better. Um, and... This next question we have kind of ties into the discussion we were having earlier. At Free Read and Write, what, we, what can we do to prevent infighting amongst ourselves, promote productive discussion, and start uniting again? Because the alt-right is mobilizing, and they're clearly a lot. It seems to be much more united. So, Well, the, I'm going to turn this to Anita, because I feel like you deal with a lot of fighting. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you you're, at the, you're at the nexus of, of all the fights a lot of times and have to sort of sort through which fight you deal with at which time. What do we do with the infighting amongst this thing that, the, the, amongst the alt left? What do we do? Wow. Um, so, yeah, I have all the answers. Clearly. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I was really not expecting you to put me on the spot for this. Um, you know, I, this might, my initial reaction to this question is that, like, part of what makes the left brilliant and beautiful and amazing is that we strive for better. We strive to challenge the status quo, and that's way harder than maintaining the status quo, which is what the right is trying to do. Um, and so, like, we need to challenge our privilege, and we need to talk about oppression, and we need to talk about all these issues, and folks who are on the left are at different levels of learning about that, right? We, the folks with privilege are constantly, forever, lifelong, learning how to be good allies. And so it's harder, and there's going to be infighting, and there's going to be difficult conversations, and I think that that's what makes us better, because we're constant, well, at least we're trying to constantly grow. Like, it's not always good. I'm not trying to pretend like it's all puppies and sunshine or whatever over here, but, like, I think having these conversations is critical to our growth, and, like, here's the reason, like, I don't debate. I get asked all the time to debate folks. I just, I don't do it. And part of the reason why is because it is so much harder for me to unpack systems of privilege and oppression just to make the point I'm trying to make. Um, it takes me like, it'll take me like 10 minutes to answer the damn question when, can I say that? Sorry. Yeah, you can, da, da, we talked <laughs> about like, cursing back saying damn is fine, damn is fine. Um, where it's a lot easier to be like, it's a lot easier for, for folks on the right or for, you know, like to be like, well, black people just aren't smart enough. Like, you don't need to yeah. unpack anything. That's just straight-up racist. It's so much easier to be like, well, queer folks shouldn't get married because it's a lot easier than understanding how systems of oppression have facilitated... Um, uh, have, have, the systems in, in our society have facilitated the oppression of folks and how complicated that is, right? So, I don't know where I'm going with this. No, but I, so, just, I, feel, help me. I feel the same way. It's like whenever... whenever so, like I talked about, You're absolutely talked about, right. You know? Yeah, I'll say what he said. You're absolutely right. I mean, no, seriously, you need the kind of discourse, but often the discourse has to be, be, be within the context of bringing people together, bringing us all together and finding out, figuring out where we agree, where we disagree and everything else. But it has to be in the context of a project itself. If we're talking about something specific, something specific we want to change, some, some idea, then we can find out how we align ourselves on that across ideological line, across our own kind of, across our own, <laughs> I should know about this stuff, you know, <laughs> across that. But I, and, and I think we're right. I think it's important. And the thing about sometimes with the left is that we, we in ourselves find ourselves in our isolated camps and unwilling to have that discourse. Of course, I, I, and sometimes I have to think about it myself. I think about, wait, let me listen. Let me listen to what's happening here. Let me listen to what the discourse is about. What's the center of what we're trying to do? Yeah, and I think some of it too is that, you know, <laughs> I, I, I worry about the kids. So I think, I think about social media a lot, right? And I, this is 
a roundabout way of getting here, but I think about the fact that like I am so glad my teenage self wasn't online and that that Ooh. isn't documented forever. Yeah, but the reality time. is, Don't but, look at me like that. <laughs> but the reality is that's what it's like today. And so how do we create a community? Like that's the reality, and we should stop fighting it or being like old curmudgeonly people. Um, and be like, how do we create a space where people can grow and change and make mistakes and learn from them? And I think that's part of the what I'm uh, thinking about here in terms of like infighting is like when you get called out on your privilege, it sucks. Like you'll be defensive, you will resist that. Like it's a really hard place to be. But a lot of the folks that I know that learned about their privilege were because they were shamed, right? Or they were in a situation where they learned about it and it sucked. Um, and so how do we create space where people can grow? Because right now, Twitter is so unforgiving. You make one mistake and you're dead to everyone, right? You're out of the movement and that's not okay. We have to be able to have compassion and empathy and create space for growth, even for folks who make mistakes. I mean. All right, we're gonna let our panel go for right now, but we'll bring them back for the after party. So if you're listening, uh, if you're listening on the radio, subscribe to the podcast to hear that. But everybody in this room will get to hear more from our panel. Give it up for Anita Sarkeesian, Irene Two, and Danny Glover. I'm Kamal right now, and you're listening to Kamal right now on KALW. Where were you when I was in high school? Oh my God, before we go, we need to check in with the people here at Laney College. We're doing things differently in this era of America. In addition to finding out what the people in this room think, we are also asking what do people here need and want? Our audience emissary, Jeremy Dalmas, is gonna help us out without giving it up for Jeremy. Hi, Kamau. Hi, Kamau. Hi, everyone. Well, there has been a trend in the cards which is basically what we've been talking about for 45 minutes. So I'm trying to avoid that a little bit. We will talk about that in the after party. Yeah. We can go back to the other um, But um, I like this first one. It's from Jen Root in Oakland. Uh, Jen Root says, uh, what does Jen Root need? Hugs, just all the hugs. Jen Root wants all the hugs. Where are you, Jen Root? Oh, Jen Root, oh, how do we get there? We, we have to get to the hugs. Oh, God, we have to, we're coming, I'm coming. I assume you meant for me. It's awkward if you didn't mean that. Did you mean for me? I should offer, okay, all right, all right, all right, here we go. Here we go, bring it in, bring it in. Thank you, we're, thank you. And, and now a handshake, yes. All right, <laughs> hugs. You're good at that, come out. I'm good, those are my favorite things if I was Oprah. You get a hug, you get a hug, you get a hug. Maybe we don't have that much time, but. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, so this is a, uh, we don't just need hugs tonight. Uh, Mike Lopez in Fremont says that Mike needs, uh, I was very interested by this, a new substitute PE teacher outfit. What? A new substitute PE teacher outfit. I mean, the what, that's exactly why I was where, curious where, about this. Mike from Fremont? Mike from Fremont, oh, come, right come here, here Mike, come here, Mike. <laughs> so what, is, uh, good to, first of all, good to meet you, Mike. Good, well, we did the whole handshake, yes. So what, what explain what you mean. Well, when you had your program on with uh, Standing Rock Indian Reservation, yes. there was a Native American or Native person who had that outfit on, and what he said was he's ready to die, basically, yes. in his finest. Yes, yes. And what you said, well, I have my substitute PE teacher outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. I did say that. Yes, yes. Because he was dressed in his finest regalia, and I was dressed like a substitute PE teacher. Because the budget for clothes on United States of America is very paltry. So, yes, I will happily give you those clothes. I do never want to wear those clothes again. <laughs> give it up for Mike and Fremont, everybody. I guess he's not a substitute PE teacher. Yeah, not a substitute. I was like, that one is? Yes, I do remember that now, yes. Okay. Uh, I was so mad at that okay. day. I hated those clothes, but we don't want to go into that. Oh, I... <laughs> um, so Katrina in Oakland needs a friend to talk about being multiracial with. Oh, this should be easy in this crowd. Where's Katrina from Oakland? Where's Katrina from Oakland? Upstairs. Upstairs. How do we? Okay, Katrina from Oakland. You... 
Uh, okay, we got a microphone coming to you upstairs, Katrina. So I have to ask the awkward question. I don't normally want to ask people about their race, but are you multiracial? Me? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, all right. I just want to know what kind of conversation you need to have, not like the what's that oh. like cover, you know? Yes. Right. No. Can you explain can... your existence to me? Not that you need to have the deep cut. <laughs> That's exactly level. what I don't want to explain. Okay, so you want to yeah. find another multiracial person to talk about your identity with? Yes. That should be so easy in this crowd. First of all. Just, I'm just gonna walk where I know I need to go right now because I know this crowd and I know people in this crowd and I know somebody and she's smiling right now because she knows I'm coming to her because and the whole section is laughing. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Lisa Marie Rollins. Hey, I, how you doing, I, Katrina? I literally have a multiracial ringer in the crowd. <laughs> One of the original producers of the W. Kamal Bell Curve ending racism in about an hour. So you're welcome. <laughs> yes, that's true. You are welcome. You are welcome. So wait, so... What's up, Katrina? How you Hi. doing? Yeah, good. I don't know if we should have this conversation right now, but like maybe we can meet We can do whatever afterwards. you need. I can handle it right now. So, she's a, so although she rarely texts me back when I text her... Oh, here we go. I think in this big format, she will actually respond to you. So can we promise that there will be a conversation after this? You, this, absolutely. This is microphone. You absolutely. Talk to absolutely. Absolutely. Thank absolutely. You. I, absolutely. I'll come find you. Yeah. And you please have do. Please you. do. And just explain what you do and how you might have a whole crew. Just uh, your I am a, um, a theater director and a writer, but I've been writing about multiracial identity and transracial adoption for many, many years, and I have um, much, much experience dealing with white parents of children of color and multiracial children and people who don't want to admit that they're multiracial, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, all give the things. It, uh, give it up for this conversation. It's going to happen in a few minutes. All right, we're running out of time. Do we have one more from, our, from another ringer? Nancy? <laughs> okay, Claire in Berkeley uh, says that Claire needs uh, My daughter thinks I need a date. Where's Claire in Berkeley? Where's Claire in Berkeley? Oh, right down there with I Jennifer like the Root. I the daughter parts. Okay, all right. We, got to, we are running out of time. So, okay. So, uh, again, I don't like to ask these personal questions. What's your name again? Claire. Claire. So, all right. What kind of date are you looking for? Well, no. My daughter thinks I should be looking for... Where's your daughter? Okay, then you sit down. Why am I talking to you? Uh... Well, I, I think that she's having trouble getting over a preconceived notion of what a relationship should be based on her history. And I think she needs a nice, lovely man that wants to care for her more than, or equally to that she wants to care for him. Okay, we're Probably. running out of time. Quickly, <laughs> what kind of date? Like, where are we talking? Race, age, gender, hot, um, I guess hot, yes. Yeah, I think she could go younger or older. She's 74 and really good looking. 74, really? So wait. Danny, oh, so, oh, Danny Jesus. So I believe that I, one, of the, one of the friends is screaming out Danny Glover, but I think he's got a ring on it. I think they put a ring on Danny Glover, but I believe Danny Glover has to have other friends who are, uh, he's, he's yeah. got a, I'm sure he's got hot friends. I think my mom, yeah. I think Mel Gibson, but all right, let's. It, no. It's about spirit. It needs, he needs to have some spirit. We are going to work on this in the after party. So people listening on the radio, you got to subscribe <laughs> to the podcast. Give it up for Kamal right now! Hold on, everybody. The show ain't done. We're off the air, but we still have the after party for you. So if you come to our show or subscribe to the podcast, you can always expect a little more Kamal right now. Go to KALW.org to subscribe to the podcast and to get information about upcoming shows. And while you're on iTunes subscribing, leave a comment. Rank us five stars. It'll help us quite a bit, and that will help us make more of these shows. Thank you for your help and for listening. All right, let's get to the after party. Now I want to have a special guest come up to the stage to talk to us about some exciting things. One of the main tent poles of the show, weirdly, we all know she's only been on once, and we should remedy that. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Nancy Armstrong Temple. Yeah, come on the stage. We can't do it. Can't after everything you've done. Nancy Armstrong Temple famously came on the show, went on Martin Luther King Jr. I went to a teach-in for MLK Day a couple years ago, and she was singing with kids and teaching about MLK, and we took our daughters there because we're like, this is why we moved back to the Bay. And then later that day, I was online, and they're like, these people blocked the Bay Bridge. And I was like, that's the lady who was singing with my daughters. <laughs> 
I did that and went home. I was like, that's all I've done today. I talked about MLK for two hours. I have a full day. And you're like, no, that's lunch. What's going on, Nancy? It's great to see you. And uh, it's great to see all of you. And I just wanted to let you know, Kamau, that um, we are actually organizing the alt-left. I figure if we're going to be called names, we might as well uh, use it, right? That's what my people do. We have a tendency. <laughs> we get called names, and then we make them excellent. Um, Right? We make the world fabulous. We queer it up. <laughs> um, and so, what if... <laughs> I'm glad it was you and not me, because my mom is listening. <laughs> um, what if, right? We know right now that the people who we're calling alt-right are not calling rallies all over the country at the same time because there aren't enough of them to call rallies all over the country at the same time. Do you hear me? There is a large group of very well-organized white supremacists who are very well-financed and they are going from place to place and terrorizing us. They are state-sponsored Right? It's no longer in any doubt that they are state-sponsored. But there are more of us than there are of them. So last Friday, one of um, our dear friends was in Charlottesville in the church that was surrounded. Um, you can see the back of their head as they push Tracy Blackman off of the Joy Reid show so that they don't get hurt by the, uh, by the oncoming mob, right? They'll be famous for the back of their head for the rest of their lives. <laughs> um, and we've been thinking, you know, I, I did a, a, a service last Sunday and I was so sad. I had no, no words of wisdom. I had no, um, I always have something to say, right? I always have something to say. And I had nothing to say. And I asked the people there um, to just come together, right, when you feel that much sorrow. And then we were at the um, Anti-Police Terror Project meeting last night. I'm on the uh, Black Leadership Committee of the Anti-Police Terror Project. And Terha Ak said, why don't we organize? There are more of us than there are of them. So that's what we're doing. We are organizing the alt-left. Uh, we're doing just like Danny did and does. Uh, Gus Newport, um, I, I just want to give him a quick shout out and then I'll leave. I Gus, know you have time. Gus can come up. Gus, please come. Mayor, ex-mayor of Berkeley, Gus Newport, would you like to come up here and say a few words to the people? He's, yeah, I can tell. Let, let me help you, sir. Or I can just bring you here. I'll just give you the microphone. I'll just give you the mic. You don't have to go anywhere. No, I'm certainly pleased to be here and see so many of you here. And as we travel across this country, we find that this particular moment under 45 Trumpism has brought more of us together. I thought one of the greatest things I saw was the mother of that young woman who was run over in Virginia. And the statement that she made and she said, they didn't quench my daughter's voice. You all are the expansion of her voice. And that's the kind of continuum which Danny Glover speaks of. I'm 82 years old. People keep saying to me, when are you going to give it up? My great-grandmother was a slave. My grandmother brought my family north, and she told me about it. She used to take me to see Paul Robeson and Marion Anderson when I was five years old from that time on. The problem is we've gotten so hooked into the media, internet, and this and that, that we don't know how to talk to and with one another. And if we don't get back to that, we've become a dead nation. So I think we have to talk more because we want 
to make sure that we leave a better world for our children and our grandchildren. And please, everybody, don't get turned off now, because I dare say as fast as the cabinet of Trump is turning over, we ain't got to worry about him making four years, and let's go on and take our country back. Mayor Gus Newport. My, so are you announcing your candidacy to run for mayor of Berkeley again now, or are we waiting a little bit on that? Are we announcing your candidacy to run again for Mayor Berkeley now? Or are we waiting a little bit on that? I need to know because I need to decide if I'm staying in Berkeley much longer. Hey, my, he said if it has to be, it might have to be. Mayor Gus Newport, everybody. So uh, last year, Mayor Newport was one of the very first people to endorse me when I ran for office in Berkeley. And um, about nine months ago, right before the election, I was beat up um, and arrested by the Berkeley police, one of whom told me that I wouldn't be out of jail by Tuesday when the election was supposed to be. And it's taken a long time to recover and get back to the point where I could talk about it publicly. Um, what happens when we all come together is that they can't get away with that, right? I was out of jail within hours because of a national, international call to release me. Do you hear me? And the call that I wanna make to all of us is if you come for any one of us, they'll have to deal with all of us. Nancy, where should the people find out about the organization of the alt-left? Where should they go? If you're on Twitter, which is where I like to be most of the time, uh, it's at aptpinfo, antipoliceterrorproject.org. We are organizing for the 26th and for the 27th. We are organizing um, nonviolent self-defense. We are organizing to say, not here. The Bay is not an easy target. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Becca, is there any way we can put that information on the thing? Is that a thing we can do? Like, can we put that, her, what she said, at ATPP info on the thing? Yeah. You'll, you'll have to give me a minute. I'll give you a minute. I'll give you a minute, because okay. uh, we have to go soon, uh, and I know you have, to, you have places to be, so I just would like to give you the mic. If there's anything else you'd like to say, sir, other than we'll be friends forever and we'll be hanging out all the time. <laughs> other than that, is there anything else that you'd like to say? I, the, the poet... Laureate. The poet laureate of the Negro race, as he was described, was Langston Hughes. And Langston Hughes said, let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the place where every man is free. But most notable at this particular point, I too sing America. I am the darker brother. I am the brown brother. I am the yellow brother. I am the Asian sister. I am the queer sister. We laugh when they are at, we, we, we're in the kitchen and we laugh and we eat and we go strong. Tomorrow, we'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody dare say to us, eat in the kitchen. Besides, they'll see how beautiful we are and be ashamed. I, too, am America. Langston Hughes. Uh, I think we're going to end it right there, everybody. Thank you for coming out to my right now. Thank you to Lanny College. Thank you to KLW. Thank you to the guru, Matt Martin. Thank you to the team. Good night, everybody.